welcome to another episode of Inspire Fireside. I'm your host, Maximilian K. Meehan, and seated from across from me is the venerable Matthew Palmer. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I one time saw uh, Jake the Snake Roberts do a line of coke while his snake was just on the floor in the locker room. Sorry. Hey guys, welcome back. <laughs> Matthew Palmer. I don't know about black women, but he's a king of fucking shit up. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I couldn't got, help it. You got this dyslexic Midas touch, buddy. Um, you can cut it and do it over. I just wanted to. No, just no, wanted, no. I thought it would be a funny line to fuck with my buddy. <laughs> just like, no, was, man. That stays in. You blew that's it. fine. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So, okay. Hey, we're back with a with another exciting edition of me and my pal essentially talking shit to one another. And uh, honestly, I'm I'm happy to do this because one of the things, man, you know what? I've never made a dime off of pro wrestling. Same. But the friendships, the friendships are a treasure that you really can't put a price tag on. <laughs> um, and Matt Matt is a guy that I actually consider uh, consider to be a, a pretty good friend. In Thank fact, you. I think likewise. Uh, I think uh, it was a, what was it? It was almost his time. Uh, was it last year or a few years ago where you came over to shoot a vignette? And it was for Christmas a few was, years ago. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you were playing the pinball machine and Fox was heckling you about how shitty you were. Yeah. That was great, man. <laughs> it's in the blood. It's in the blood. <laughs> he kept giving me shit and I was like, I can't do anything about this. It's <laughs> like, I'm just gonna, this is like, I have to take this. I can't get better at pinball <laughs> this quickly and I'm just gonna like have a three-year-old just like berate me for how shitty I am. It's just like, yeah, all right. So, He's right. Uh, we got some questions. Yeah. Uh, on our, uh, or our, on your uh, Facebook page, the Inspire Pro Facebook page, uh, a couple of people have asked some questions. Uh, one is, what did Waco ever do to you? Uh, and if anyone that knows me knows I fucking hate the town of Waco. Have you never been to Waco? How can you like Waco? It, right. There's just it's a, it's like a vacuum of uh, soul. It just yeah. There's just something really oppressive feeling about it. I there's don't like know nothing but cemeteries there too. Yeah. Like it's just like it just uh, I cannot get out of Waco because, fast enough because it it is full of people who are dead inside. Oh yeah, <laughs> clever, clever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the, the writer is- of Inspire. <laughs> The zoo is good. It has a good zoo. There's a zoo? There's a zoo. And it's I always good. assume like any zoo that isn't like world renowned no. is just like Tiger King. No. Let's just assume. It's... No, it's, it's a good, it's a good, they have an actual, they have an actual good zoo. It is the only zoo that I've actually ever been to that has a path that you walk. So you're not going to like, it's not just like some sandbox. You're, you're not just you're out not... in the field with the leopards. No, man, it's great. No. <laughs> Where are they? Well, you'll find them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look behind you. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. Anyway, fuck Waco. And fuck Waco. And fuck you for asking. Um, <laughs> why do we have to hold your hand? You know, you know why. You know why Waco's fucking yeah, terrible. Yeah, fucking sucks, man. Traffic fucking sucks. Right? Uh, Richard Castro on here goes, "Why did you take uh, Cherry Ramone's dance moves?" And then he goes, "Who's the boss? You were Roxy." Why did why did I take Terry Ramone's dance moves? It was just to be an asshole, right? Well, yeah, we were. That's we. Were, it was just to be. We a were dick. gearing up 
toward you having this racially motivated. That was the that was the same story, yeah, right? Yeah, that was the same storyline. Yeah. Did you come up with that? Yeah, you I had did. to come up with that one. Yeah. There's no way I would have thought to take well, Terror Mon's dance moves. Well, the the initial concept was going to be that you would be beating a string of people, but you would take things from them periodically. Yeah. And initially, what you were going to do is actually start taking people parts of people's gear. Right. And, I think I was I was gonna like become this amalgamation of the entire company's yeah. gear and like but uh, doing, characters. Yes, you were going to you were going to basically just piecemeal all this shit together, and then, and then eventually someone would beat you and you'd have to give it all back. Yeah, and then know? I would just be this bland vanilla midget. It's like I, they yeah. took everything from me. You were like gonna be like you were gonna, <laughs> it was gonna be like Matthew in the Technicolor Inspire coat or something like that. It was really it was gonna be you beating. <laughs> Beating, beating everybody for whatever signature that they had, like finishers, theme music, yeah, uh, uh, boots. It was going to be that. that. That was going to be the thing. I feel like I feel like the show after I got my comeuppance, Richard Whitaker would just be like, and from Buffalo, New York, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like it's like I maybe, lost everything, uh, maybe, my name, everything. Maybe you beat Richard Whitaker for his accent or something. Oh like that. my god, that been really I good. don't want to be Nigel Rabbit. Uh, I can't do the I can't do the accent, or well. He can't either, really. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> he, he breaks in Scottish, Irish, yeah. uh, English, God. Arkansas. <laughs> like, it just... Hey, he's better than I okay, am at the gimmick, but yeah, go Can ahead. I ask, though, like, what... Why does he... Why does he... Why does he maintain it? Because he was... He, I forget who had trained him, and I say trained because he wasn't trained as a wrestler, he was trained specifically as a character. But it was one of those old school guys, like Killer Tim Brooks or something like that. And so he's always about like if you this is your brand you go all in on your brand. So it's like El Santo, but this. with like an accent. Kinda. It was just like it's just this weird kayfabe thing of just like gotta stay in character all time. You know the exact opposite of me. Whereas like I'm on I'm character at the show. You leave me alone outside because this is I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Nigel or Tim is his real name. And like it's hard to tell what he's like as a real person. You have to like really get close to him. Because he's always this, imp- the sun never sets on the rabbit empire character, and I was like, "Come on, Tim, talk to me as a, as a person, <laughs> like talk to me." But that's the way yeah. he is. He doesn't break kayfabe. That's unfortunate. That's admirable uh, to some people, and then to other people, it's just annoying. Not just annoying, but just like, what is it? It's just like it feels. It feels like a middle finger. When, yes. When you're working me. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because that's like, dude, I am in on this with you. We are yeah. backstage right now. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. He could never just talk to me like a person. Right. Yeah. But when he was still mad at me as a person, he still got mad as Nigel, which is stupid. Which is weird. Because like, are you are you really mad or are you just playing this now? Yeah. No, no. Well, he get mad about things. Like, he get frustrated about mm-hmm. stuff not working out the way that we had told him it would work out. But you know what? You can't, you can't mm-hmm. nail me for other things just falling through I, I i've never been anywhere where someone acknowledges all the pitfalls of a business but then gets mad at you for that shit right that's it's true fucking stupid mm-hmm. i don't understand it like mm-hmm. hey this didn't work out like you said it would and i said i said always if 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 is a big con- you know contingent you know thing you know um could you imagine if we had a character that was like basically based off like i don't know a character from a Midsummer Night's Dream that just had to speak in that Shakespearean, uh, what do you call it? Um, the rhyme scheme. Do you remember my? Do you remember the gimmick that I pitched to you about the about the the uh, the wrestler that would have a scribe? N- Wait. 
so the, I, I had it idea. sounds like one of those like one of those late night uh yeah. D type characters that we were okay. like hey can well, i do this <laughs> it's like well we were t- <laughs> we were talking about how you were saying you got any characters for me you got any characters yeah, like, and they're like i'm the wrong guy to ask that to <laughs> well you're the only guy to ask that to for me in the wrestling world because that's a- the other option was like can you be Shawn michaels it's <laughs> like yeah, that's what the other so, promoters were telling me so like you said like you have a character and i said well okay so what i want you to do is be a guy like this really like <laughs> grand grandiose wrestler but you don't talk at all but you have a guy who's like your scribe who plays a lute and he sings all your promos oh and also god and, that would be amazing but also uh it would also like when you're uh, in the middle of a match he'd just be walking around the ring singing and, <laughs> like kind of like i have my own bard yeah <laughs> That's awesome. the bard is like but then he would also like sing your comeback and shit you know you know but, what like, sucks is that even if you found some a wrestler who could play the lute and do all that stuff they wouldn't do it no because they think it'd be a joke on them and that dude would be the most over, over. guy yes kind of like in, baba domino yes right? he'd be the most over guy in the indies but nobody wanted to swallow their pride and their ego to do that. Do you remember the Glee gimmick that I pitched that I couldn't get anybody to do? Because no one can fucking sing? Well, they didn't (laughs) have to sing. So, the Glee gimmick that I was going to do was going to be for uh, somebody who uh, was a a, a Glee Club teacher. And their dream is to pro be a pro wrestler. They want to do this. And so their whole Glee Club class comes with them and sings in the background of the match while their teacher wrestles, but also, like, sings them up when they're getting beat up. So they're kind of like, you know, they're... they're, they're, they're their focus of power is the, the glee club and you know just... I'm, just, I'm, I'm imagining the like that boo yay spot where the two just stand there and punch yeah. each other yeah. i'm just imagining like the glee teacher gets hit and the and the, and the glee club's like hit me with your best shot yeah. and it was like oh seriously man if i had like if i had like a wwe budget like i see some of the shit that those guys do and i'm like if i had that job i also hear people like routinely go you try writing X amount of okay of, of okay know, TV absolutely yes yes every time I will do it yes <laughs> so like, yeah well, yeah fuck you I could do I, it. I accept that challenge you you couldn't do that and make that good I'm like are you saying that you're not good I couldn't feel the quali- bad? I couldn't feel the qualifications because I don't have a college education but I can do the fucking story better I can too uh, yeah seriously yeah all right all right I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, can we constantly okay. go on these like, silly tirades? Uh, what questions. was uh? How does oh uh? Is it Shauna Linroy? I've only seen her Shana? name. Shana. I've only seen it written, so yeah, I don't know how to pronounce me, it. me too. Uh, how does he handle awful questions about his wife having a better career than him? I'm just I'm just assuming those questions happen. Well, I guess it's official. She has a better career than me. It was news to me. Yeah. I thought I was doing pretty good wrestling once every three months. No, uh, it's like I don't I don't care. It's my wife. I'm not competing against my wife. I That's absurd con- to me. Once again, as I often say context is everything who has the better gig mm, you know i can't really say much about uh about adrian's gig mm-hmm. but being a trophy husband to to her <laughs> right yeah you, know, you know and like, it's like you're a, you're like a you're like the husband of a celebrity right i i, I pitched the idea mm. and by the way there's been a few ideas that i've pitched that have made it to tv which is always like a little feather in my cap just for me there's some of the dumbest ideas ever and they're usually around the 24 7 title <laughs> but like they got the tv damn it um so like no like her i i don't we don't have a normal relationship as in like oh i gotta provide for my wife type thing it was yeah. like we both came in struggling wrestlers eating sometimes going to bed hungry that night 
in a 400 square foot apartment and then she made it i'm not going to be here like oh that jerk now i gotta go make it or something like that like, that's absurd to me no and i also look at wrestling like uh like theater or like movies yeah and it's like i don't have they don't have to fail for me to succeed or anything like that if yeah. they succeed how does that hurt me i don't work there I'll go somewhere else and do my roles that I want to do. It's like, you don't get upset because you're doing an indie film because you lost out on that blockbuster movie. You just carry on and keep working. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, favorite match of all time, I couldn't tell you. That you've had? Is that what they're asking? Uh, I, I assume it's... I assume it's for me, but if it's... If it's if it's just, like, one I've watched, hell, I don't know. That's a stupid question. Because, I mean, like, to me, wrestling... When people talk about, like, the Mount... What's your Mount Rushmore of wrestling? In terms of just matches that I've seen, happen. as far as as far as like the personalities in in the world of wrestling, uh, the one match that has always stuck with me is Benoit versus Kevin Sullivan, where they had that match. Oh, that, that was like Slamboree or something like that. That mm, falls count any or not falls count? They fought everywhere, right? Yeah, but I think that was at Halloween Havoc. I could be wrong. Okay, yeah, maybe. But it was yeah. over a woman. It was mm-hmm. it was they uh, Benoit had stolen woman from Kevin Sullivan, and uh, they had that brawl, and that was a really weird. Uh, intersection of wrestling because uh, Benoit was clearly the face in that match, mm-hmm. but he was part of the Four Horsemen, which was a heel stable. It right, and, really the, and then and then there was also that like story of like he just took this dude's wife. Yeah, and it was like it's hard to see Chris Benoit as a baby face yet at the same time uh, the Satanist evil dude over here it's like it's really hard to cheer for well <laughs> so like, it, I think it was easy to kind of delineate who was the heel and who was the face because woman was very much on Benoit's side so you kind of got to go with who the woman is pursuing yeah know? yeah but you know what was that like 1996 or something yeah, like that so at that time you're like who cares what she's thinking she's, <laughs> Look, she's just a trophy for those I, guys I you care, know i care because i really loved i really loved nancy yeah well i'm not saying like uh, that's not my way of thinking about it. i'm just saying like people back then yeah if it was a woman she's just there to her name was even woman yeah right and so like how many storylines are like these classic like magnum ta tully blanchard like these are just something about like this chick here we're fighting over yeah. I, don't, I don't remember her name. I'm sure she's very famous and everyone's going to hate me for it. But yeah. like, I don't remember her name. But seriously, that's the dumbest, stupidest storyline you can do in wrestling is like, let's fight over this woman. And yet, when they wrestle about it, it's so freaking good. Like Magnum TA and Tully, great match. Sullivan and Benoit, great match. But you think about it like, why are we airing some people's personal grievances on TV? I think, I think the situation, well, I mean, in real life, we know that, you know, she wound up with... with Chris, of course. And I think that was one of those situations where there was something definitely there and they knew that that it was kinetic and that uh, they wanted to really do something that played upon the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it turned into kind of a, you know, proto-work-to-shoot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It it worked for the time. Would you do that for for your show if you had that opportunity? No. If wrestlers presented, hey... I, this is my ex-wife, and this is the guy she left me for. Well, so many of the things that we do are actually based on, like, real-life frustrations that, that people have, or things that are going on, like, beefs, you know, because, you know, people, not everybody gets along and shit. Of course. But yeah. it really depends, it, you know, it, it's it's a case-by-case basis. I wouldn't, if two guys really hated each other and wanted to duke it out, I wouldn't, I wouldn't entertain It seems it. irresponsible, right? Yeah, it's stupid, but it's also not what wrestling is about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It the, seems selfish. To me, pro wrestling isn't impressive if the violence is real. 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I, absolutely. I've always thought that what made professional wrestling impressive was the illusion. It's almost mm-hmm. kind of like how you look at a guy like Houdini, and I'm if if he's actually got some otherworldly gift, I find him to be far less interesting. Uh, right. As, as, as a figure, I think he's more interesting because what he does isn't real. Yeah. But he. But goddamn, that's convincing. Yeah. Allu- and, illusion is a huge part yeah. of pro wrestling. There's so many, uh, so many things that go in, into the in, into the uh, the stew that make wrestling special so many people downplay what makes wrestling great that's see that's another reason why i hate i can't ever mention this when biss is here thank god he's not fucking here so i can say it but mma has really fucking done a number on pro wrestling not only in its reputation but just in how it's presented and Mm -hmm. also how people as characters perceive themselves there are so many guys in black trunks who are just about their own ego Mm -hmm. and they don't really yeah, I can see. I can. I can definitely see the negative side effects MMA has had on wrestling, but I can also see the positives. As in, like you don't see a lot of people bitch and moan about smaller guys when you've just had, you know, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor make billions of dollars, and they're both thirty pounds lighter than me, and I'm yeah. the smallest guy on the card. You know, it's like oh, because our and you can always be like oh, because they're the best fighters. It's like yeah, dude, we're simulating being the best fighters. You, this is an act. Yeah, it's, it's like, this is the show. So like. MMA has allowed people to, like, get over that, I think. But at the same time, every single one of us is just throwing a million kicks and locking on these boring-ass holds that no one can see. You know, like, only the front row can see because you're smothering (laughs) the guy's face. Like, is this a finisher? I don't know, because his face is, like, smashing the ground. Pick him up so I can see his face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I, I think, I think for the most part, though, uh, MMA has... It's taken away a lot of the worst fans that wrestling has who mm-hmm. the people who go wrestling is fake mm-hmm. who used to like wrestling um, I think that's fine they, they can fucking have those fucking losers. also the idea that MMA is not corrupt either is oh yeah that's a joke to me and it's like like I grew up uh, with uh, my dad watching boxing all the time and you want to talk about it's boxing dude it's one of the most corrupt damn sports in the world yeah and like you're gonna tell me that now because they can throw some kicks and do some holds that it's not the same shit it's the same promoters it's the same people involved you're telling me that no one's throwing a fight for 10 million dollars shut up i mean they may be getting concussed but yeah <laughs> it's that's even that makes it even worse I yeah think that, i i just i just find it weird when people really celebrate uh real life violence um right i hate the i hate the machismo of it I, I will say this, that uh, with all the Bush League MMA promoters out there that are kind of like on the same tier as indie wrestling promoters. So I'm like the XKOs in North Texas or something well, like that? Well, the thing is, is that that, that, that demographic, that crowd, uh, typically are really meatheaded and uh, abusive, I'll just say it. Yeah. Like the most misogynistic, racist, shittiest people love that stuff, and they go into a venue and they don't respect it. And you have no idea how many times I've tried to land a venue and people go, oh, no, we had this MMA thing here and I have to go, whoa, we're not MMA. We're the fake version of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We'll but have the, an evil clown on the show. <laughs> you know? But, the, but the, fan, the fans are very different, you know? Absolutely. Uh, the fans the fans at, a, at, at any wrestling shows are not like, because like most wrestling fans are smart. Mm-hmm. They know what's up, and yeah, and the ones that aren't are very vocal and usually shut down by the ones who are smart. Going, hey man, shut the fuck up! Yeah. you're at, you're not booing at the proper thing. You're booing at somebody's real life shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't. These are. Uh, oh, that's somebody just asked me what's my most hated match of all time. Uh, that you had, or yeah, uh, that I had, and I honestly, there's a lot of matches I don't even remember. Yeah. 
Uh, I doubt it was in our company. The most hated match I ever... Actually, most hated match I ever had in Inspire. Let me think. Even the, most, Ma- even the most hated match that you had in our company has still got to be better than a lot of other shit that I've seen you do. Oh, absolutely. I hate saying that. It's it, No, no, no. no like, you don't have to hate saying that. It's absolutely true. Most of the best matches I've ever had are in an Aspire DVD somewhere. Uh, but, like, it's the ones I don't remember I hate. I don't want to go out there and get paid $25, 30 bucks to drive six hours, wrestle for 10 to 15 minutes, get the shit kicked out of me, and then have to go drive back six hours and not remember the damn experience. Yeah. I didn't come out here to like, copy the match that was on SmackDown last week. I want each match to be cool i want it to be like a unique twist on something even if it's just the basic chicken shit peel fights the guy who's huge so like me versus franco i don't want it to just be the typical let me show my ass slipping on banana peel hit and run type stuff i want to do something fun and so i think all the matches i hate are the ones i just don't remember because it was a waste of fucking time to me yeah um you eat you eat a lot of shit i mean do what you do if you're like because yeah. there was a period where, like, you were getting your name out there going all over the place. And... Yeah, and then my wife got signed, and I couldn't get booked anywhere. God damn it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> She's more successful than me, Max. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about people we hate. Okay. That's always, that's always something you love this doing. Is, let's is, start shitting on people. This is going to be hard. You're going to have to do name association with me, because honestly, there are people that I don't like dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, really... Yeah, that's that's more what I mean. Like, it's hard to say hate in yeah. wrestling because you're there's so much involved in nuance of everyone's character and yeah. just the struggle just to make it. It's hard to hate a guy for that. Yeah. But then they, then you got like some of these promoters who can't get their nose out of the fucking cocaine to book the fucking show. Uh, certain NWA promoters. Fucking this man. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Who yeah. is Bruiser Brody? He keeps mentioning him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. If he were here right now. If he were alive. If he were alive. <laughs> oh, man. So, so, like, okay, word association. Let's, uh, Scott Summers. I love Russ. You love uh, Russ. I, I love Russ, too. I've never found Russ to be difficult. I feel like, uh, that's not even to imply that anybody has ever said he's difficult. I think a lot of people who know him really take to heart the character that he presents. Mm-hmm. They look at him as being kind of a wild card. Um... I think I think uh man I've had things not go my way with him in terms of things yeah. that I've booked but I can't fault him because you know we all have our our demons and our personal problems or you mm-hmm. know physically what you guys do is grueling man mm-hmm. you know um the mental think, effects of that like just taking a beating like that yeah. that you're kind of giving yourself yeah i think it does something it changes yeah. you maybe not for the better but i think i think uh when i think uh scott summers russ as i call him yeah um i think he has a really good heart um i think he's a good man and he's one of the only when i when i first started doing this was one of the only guys that really gave me any sort of respect as just a human being and listened yeah. to my ideas. He's also an incredibly creative person who also has kind of a dramatic background. He he did some acting too Hell in high yeah. school. Good. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but like when I presented him the Pure Prestige arc as it was supposed to happen, he loved the idea because he was like he was like oh, oh this is such a long term cool idea, you know. He loved the idea of just because 
you lose doesn't mean that you entirely lose. You can have yeah. uh, you can have a, a fall and still have it be a major victory for you. Exactly. And so yeah. he understood he understood the dynamics of of how how fighting can really be not just a one sided thing. Just you know, not yeah. every not every loss is a squash. Absolutely. I I always considered him more of a mentor, and he's one of those guys I never really talked to outside of shows. But he always went out of his way to like take care of me and and check on me and then like basically welcomed me into most locker rooms. I was like, this is Matt. He's good. He's mm-hmm. he's okay. You know, and it's like, I love him. All right, let's see who else. But he's a guy that is probably one of the handful of legitimately tough people that's oh, yeah. in professional wrestling. Like, I wouldn't oh, fuck yeah. with him. He gave me my first concussion. Oh, God. We, <laughs> I still love the guy, but like he hit me so hard that I was in matches for months that I should not have been in. There was an ACW match with me, Pierre Abernathy, and Masada that I should not have been in that match. I didn't know what was happening. And then at one point, like Masada and Pierre are on the top rope ready to do some spot, and I just kind of show up. And I was like, "What are we doing?" And Pierre, and Pierre Matt, Matt Jackson is like, "What the fuck are you doing? Get out of here, man!" And it was like, <laughs> so like, and Masada just like punches me, but like, uh, it was at a fun, fun, fun fest uh, showtime, and our uh, Russ and I were wrestling, and I was on the top rope, and Russ is going to give me some enziguri to like knock me down, and I guess Russ didn't think he could jump, so he. Threw everything he had in that kick and oh. he got me right in the back of the head and then i got superplexed onto a pile of chairs and then i didn't remember how to say the word remote for a while <laughs> there, there was a period where like i mean you know who i was and we talked like weekly and every time i would see you you didn't know who the fuck i was yeah that was probably during yeah, that time no, i was. should never have been wrestling i should never set foot in a ring it was very dangerous uh yeah. But like, yeah, I love I love Russ, but he he's the first guy to ever knock me the hell out. And you know he wasn't giving it everything he got too. So he, yeah. was, he was still throwing a worked kick. Uh, all right, what about what about uh what was his name? Uh, Spiro. Remember Spiro? I loved Spiro. I did too. I didn't really know him that well. I never got a, an opportunity to work with him. I never knew the circumstances of his death. Yeah. There was always uh, a haze nobody would talk about. Yeah. And so I was always like, oh, okay, must have been must have been pretty taboo Dark. or yeah. something like that. Grim. I remember I remember talking to him on the phone a couple of days prior to him passing. And he was asking me, uh, he goes, Matt, have I ever hurt you in the ring or anything like that? And I go like, no, man, you're good. Everything's fine. And like, I was two years in the business and this guy's been around forever. I've seen Spiro when I was breaking in. And like he was very self conscious about it, and I was like, "No, man, we're fine, we're we're good." And then Spirit was a guy that I really loved watching, but um, I never had much interaction with. I didn't have that much either. It was just at, at the ACW show yeah. I'd see him, and we were in a faction together, and he was quiet, very kind, very helpful. Um, and of course, he had to be very patient with me at that time. Yeah. And, and all right, well, who else? You give you give me a couple, oh, man. Because like I'm I'm thinking like I'm thinking like when I said Scott or Scott Summers, I started thinking of all that circle. Like, what do you think about Ryan Genesis? What do you think about Masada? We like, oh, it's just that same clique of guys that I liked at ACW. Okay, Jason Silver. Uh, meh, meh, meh. And that's only because uh, Silver's been the same character for like twelve years now. Yeah, he's like this vampire character, and I was like, Silver, I've gone through like twelve different gimmicks already and I'm, I'm i'm trying to push and do different things i don't like these guys that do the same gimmick but he also is super generous but like at the same time it's just like eh, it's whatever yeah you know what i mean it's like eh. what about you silver 
What your thoughts on him? I hated him for a while. Yeah. Uh, just based on the fact that we had some bad interactions, and he, his apology to me for what he had done to me was very non-apologetic. Um, I think sometimes his ego is really out of out of place. I'm not saying that he hasn't earned. Uh, I, I'm not saying he hasn't earned anything. Right. I think I think he's been doing what he's been doing long enough to where he deserves respect. Absolutely. But I also think that sometimes you have to kind of accept that you are unconventional and you need to kind of fit into the realm of believability that makes things work. For example, we had people mad at us that he didn't really hang a long time with Masada and as well he shouldn't have. To me when I look at that matchup, it's not it's not entirely like it's one-sided, you know? That's not that's not to say that he shouldn't have gotten any offense in, but First of all, the story we were telling didn't allow it, but also Brig is a terrifying person. He's a mm-hmm. monster, and so when you see Jason is a smaller guy, that's just that's just the way it is. Yeah. So there's a there's an element of believability, where you know, wrestling doesn't that does does encourage suspension of disbelief at times, but. I when I look at him, I don't. I think he ta- he can take some shit. He's scrappy. He's tough as hell. Uh, I know that because he's done every single dive that I've already done off that balcony and land on the concrete. He's he's, he's done everything I've gone through. Yeah. And I know how it felt, and to be like what fifty pounds lighter. Yeah. And I think he I think he's like asthmatic or something like that. Yeah. And so like you got, you go through a lot of shit. It's just that if he was to change his character to something drastically different, that meh would change. Well, that's the thing is, like, there are so many guys out there who I will pitch stuff to, and I'm not saying I ever pitched anything to Silver, but uh, I wish that they would let me play with them a little bit, do something yeah. different. That's the, that's the thing is, like, one of the things I hate about Texas wrestling is how mafioso it is, and if you're not doing something across the board, um, people tend to people tend to shy away, like, oh, well, we're doing this in Dallas, and blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what, motherfucker? This is Austin, not Dallas, and the audience mm-hmm. is different. I'm not going to do what you do. I can understand that if it was a tag team, because a lot of your work's based on each other, so you really have to work hard together if you want to get that product over. Yeah. Um, and but that's also why not a whole lot of guys do tag teams. Well, but like, if your gimmick is, oh, I'm the, what was it, the Sons of Texas, the yeah. McKenzie thing. Yeah. If your gimmick has twelve guys in it, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do it. I can't have the Rat Pack roll up on the show and be forced to do what you need. I need heels and faces and different characters on this card. They were all, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to do that. I wanted mm-hmm. to have, I wanted to be able to also, if, say I'm booking this thing and then all of a sudden something changes and they change memberships or someone does a turn over here, I've got to... Now you have to do a turn? Yeah. With the same guy? No, nah, I'm not doing that shit. It's, it's, it's... Stupid. Mm-hmm. It's stupid, it's short-sighted and, and also, you know, man, I want people to come to come to see my show so that they can see something different. Yeah, and like, why? It's why would that be better than what you had planned? Yeah, like just because they got to it first, like whatever storyline that they got to first. Now you have to follow them. What if you had like this amazing story that would have made them stars? But instead, you're like, oh, now I got to turn this guy because you turned him at this show that had 40 people. A lot of that shit is, to me, was so was, was also just so lazy. Like, the same guys wanting to work the same matches and just have a buddy's Fuck club. that. It's, yeah. Fuck that, man. Like, when you talked about Dell wrestling Barrett and he was real nervous. Yeah. It's probably because Dell has been wrestling a long time and he was probably just concerned, I don't know if I can keep up with these this new style. Or I don't know if I'm comfortable doing it. But then you get guys that aren't worried about that. They just don't want to wrestle anyone but their buddies. Yeah. And I go, Why? Why the fuck would you just want to wrestle your friends over and over? 
I want to wrestle like Will all day. When I came back to Inspire, yeah. you gave me Will all day, and you're like, I just feel like this would be a good match because you guys had similar builds, similar stories. You're just ten years ahead of Will because you've been around longer. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I've never seen Will work. I've never and, met the man, and, also, and it was a blast. But also your your sense of humor in his, in addition to. Um, uh, your backgrounds because he again he's another guy that's a theater guy oh okay so I cool. thought okay cool, cool, cool. okay well I've got this guy who has a great sense of humor who's flexible and I've got the and athletic and you know and then there's Matt no <laughs> <laughs> right no no I'm with you <laughs> like, no. I know that that joke hits home <laughs> no but I, I thought like okay well I've got I've got these this guy who's really smart and there were things uh, about Will that reminded me of you and I was like this guy's whip smart this guy's whip smart these guys have similar the, their ethos is very like it's it's mm-hmm. matchable. So let's see what happens. That was like, and it, to me, it was great. It was a great match. It was yeah. a, it was a simple match. It was an easy match. It wasn't like. But it was also fun because we immediately were like, we need to use Roxy. Yeah. And you 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 have a manager. I have a manager. I'm not just going to have them stand out there and do nothing. And also, I want a breather. Uh-huh. And I don't want to do a breather with like, oh, let's lock in the chin lock, brother. You boring motherfucker. No, the match was great. Yeah, it was great. It was a great kickoff match, and it you know. But I wouldn't have had that if I was wrestling Greg James again. Yeah, which I've done a million times. Mm-hmm. And like, I do not understand the idea of like not wanting to branch out. I do understand if it's like I don't want to wrestle these names. You have a name fly in, and nine times out of the ten, it's a fucking pain in the ass experience. Mm-hmm. I got to deal with a guy who doesn't want to work, already got paid. Uh, he's been wrestling for like f- four days straight and doesn't care about this area, just needs to get home so he can take a breather for 24 hours before he gets on the flight. He doesn't care about this. Mm-hmm. You give me some young kid I've never heard of, he's willing to give you WrestleMania. It's like, I'm willing to go all in on that. It's like any day of the week. You have me wrestle Delirious, he can go fuck himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had to wrestle Delirious one time, Delirious and Jimmy Jacobs, in a in a tournament show at ACW, and they... Thought I was an idiot. They kiboshed all my ideas. I go over in the match, and then I wrestle Matt Fitchett in the next round. Fitchett and I tear it up to where they were like, Matt, that was fucking great. And I was like, yeah, it would have been great if you listened to my ideas, too. Like, somebody like that. It's like, go fuck yourself. But I wrestle the Rook, Matt Fitchett. Fireworks even went off in the fucking match, and we'd even pause for a moment with that. I wouldn't have got that with Delirious and them. They are like, oh, that's a stupid kid. He doesn't know. You know, like, I think it depends on who you're talking about. There's some guys. There's some guys that'll go out there and kill it. There, there are some. There are some. Like you'll get your like your Callahans who will like he's. I remember when he was uh, traveling the most after he left WWE. He was exhausted. He had yeah. like one day, but he always, always tried to give everything he had, and he was always hurt. He's always ragged. Like he's like that one out of ten name. But I couldn't tell you how many guys they brought in and all throughout the years. Like, oh, let's wrestle this guy. And I was like, if it wasn't for guys like Sammy, Jerry Lynn, Scotty Riggs that actually fucking tried, most of them they could they could burn in hell. Fuck them. They wasted people's time. They wasted my time. I would rather wrestle a kid on his first day than wrestle a day. Let's talk about a match that we just actually discussed on on the on the main show. Yeah. Let's talk about you versus Matt, uh, uh, versus the Kentucky Gentleman, uh, Dustin. That match was a blast. Yes. That match was a blast. So he's a he was a name. He was a name, but at the same time, I'm talking about guys that are a yeah. little higher level. Now he is that name. At that time, he was Chikara, which, yeah, had a big following, yeah. but Chikara's not AEW. You know what I mean? A lot more homes are going to see him now. Now, and so, yeah. And was, so, like, when I'm talking guy, about he names... Moved, he was still a guy that warranted flying in, because he moved tickets. 
you know? Right. But when I talk about names, I'm talking about uh, uh, Jinder Mahal. Mm-hmm. Guys that were on TV for a while on a billion dollar company and then came and did an indie show and like like snubbed everyone, like nose in the air. Like he was still, he was better than us in that level of like success. Uh, sorry, uh, Chuck Taylor. He was better than us at that level of success, but he was still in the same level as like, he's still trying to make it. He's still mm-hmm. almost there. So like, there's a humbleness about him. Uh, Plus he so, seems like there's a good person but in general. But he hadn't, he hadn't yet been to the mountain is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's not Ryback. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. For the record, I don't know. I don't know what Ryback is like on in an indie show. So I can't. I don't I can't, care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you have these opinions, of these guys who are millionaires and we're on TV and then they'll they'll have their brigade of fans just come and just berate you on Twitter or social media. But at the end of the day, fucking cares. Fuck them. Yeah. Um, no, that Chuck Taylor match was awesome, especially uh, since he let me do the hand grenade spot yeah. where I got to do it in slow motion. Did we play the song uh, Catch a Grenade for you too? Uh-huh. And like I did it yeah. and I was like, get out of the way. And, like took that just... <laughs> yeah, uh, Biss, Biss and I were remembering that because uh, and uh, we remember like you were initially going into it really frustrated and you were going, he doesn't want to do shit. You said that to us. But then when yeah. the match happened, you guys did a ton of shit. Well, it's because uh, I think what it was is that he didn't want to do any shit, but it was also me going, hey, man, what do you want to do? And he had just kind of got there, and I was like, uh, no, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like, he wasn't in the mood yet. You yeah. know, he wasn't ready to start his shift at work. And so when it was time, we were like, let's throw this out here. And then I'd answer back with like, well, what about this? And like, you could see like the sparks go like, oh, okay, this guy's down. Yeah. He, he's down for what we want to do. We don't want to go out here and have five-star Zack Sabre Jr. match where the guy lays there and he chain wrestles around him. We're going to have an actual fun carnival match, you know, that entertains people. Yeah. We know where we are in the card, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's another guy like Zack Sabre Jr. I hate watching Zack Sabre Jr. matches. <laughs> and, like, he is so talented and stuff like that, but when I watch him chain wrestle, I see the other guy just kind of lying there and letting him do what he wants. It's like, there's no struggle. There's no simulation that this is hard. And this is difficult. The guy's laying there and letting you do moves to kind of, him. Kind of, kind of like porn. Yeah. It's wrestle porn. Yeah. And so, like, when he has those matches where, like, the guy actually knows what he's doing and fights back a little bit, it's like, oh, this is great. But yeah. the majority of the time, I think the other guy's so intimidated by his skill that, like, he's like, hey, here, I'll just lay here. You do it. <laughs> it's just like, you figure it out. <laughs> so, like, Poor Zach. <laughs> no, which seriously. which sucks for him yeah, yeah I'm, sh- I'm shitting on his matches but like he's the one doing the extra work not because the other guy's yeah. a prick it's not necessarily his fault <laughs> right yeah right yeah. right this dude is just like i'm gonna get laid by this hot chick it's Bro. like that's that's the mentality you know what i'm saying like i'm just gonna lay i'm just gonna, yeah, yeah you get on tap yeah, yeah. yeah like it's a fucking car crash shake it i'm already out of breath yeah exactly all right teddy hart this is such a controversial subject. I think Teddy is full of shit. I think he's crazy. Um, I know that he is viewed as problematic because he has those uh, those uh, assault allegations. Um, <laughs> uh, but he's a pain in the ass to deal with. I used to enjoy watch him, watching him wrestle. Uh, I don't enjoy dealing with him professionally um i don't want to deal with him because of the allegations Mm -hmm. i was tied into using him because there was a deal with byron and him and i had to deliver certain dates well you actually had like a written contract when you worked with him too yeah we had had, on that yeah we had a contract that we had to kind of honor um 
Yeah, indie wrestling is usually, for those that don't know, it's very rarely uh, written out. It's just like a handshake agreement. I'll show up here and we work. And so, like, you can fire a guy like Sammy Guevara or suspend him when he makes a dumb mistake and says something stupid. Like, you can put your watch to it. And it's like, oh, gotta suspend Sammy. <laughs> but, like, somebody's, like, written in their contract. Like, what do you do? Like, yeah. these are still allegations. You can't, like, fire a guy. Well, I mean, if you're a billion-dollar company, you can. But, like... <laughs> So. Well, the thing, the thing to me, and, and you know, you can hate me for it, but when the FBI called me, and <laughs> you're laughing, yeah, yeah, I got a fucking call from the FBI, and I had to actually provide a written statement. But what I was basically handed was like, look, these are when the allegations occurred. This is what the charges say. This is the date of the assault. Where were you? And where were you on this date? I was here. Was Teddy with you? Yes. You know? You're right, yeah. I was like, okay, I guess I guess by proxy I'm kind of his alibi. <laughs> and I'm not lying, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like... It, it, that issue was a lot more colorful and fucked up than a lot of people realize. Basically, I was asked, was Teddy Hart with you on this date, this date, and this date? And I had to say, yeah, because that was the truth. Mm-hmm. And it kind of contradicted... Well... Should have kept kayfabe, brother. Should have said he was out there <laughs> training for that big but, match. But what, the fuck, what the fuck am I going to do? Ba- basically, what happened with Teddy is that, you know, he had these two sister wives right. up in Canada. They had been shooting some reality show based around him training his cats. And he came down here, started fucking around with the local girls. They heard about it. They got fucking mad. And apparently this is like a repeat pattern pattern. It just it happens over and over and over again. And they also dropped the charges because of things that were occurring in their personal lives. Like they were like, Okay, well we can't do this if there are pending charges. It was really weird because I remember the day that they found out that they had just dropped the charges. Yeah. And it was like, This is weird. It's been going all these different allegations from different places. He's been he's obviously been running from the cops. <laughs> but know, he wasn't. Is, he wasn't? He wasn't running from the cops. I mean, there was a warrant out that a few people showed me, and they were like, why don't we call in the police? Because He's at the he, well, show right okay. now. I'll collect but the you, reward. What you've got to do, though, is ask me, though. Ask me, like, and I'll ask you back. Like, how was he getting... Because he would have... He went to Canada, right. appeared in court, and then flew back. Right. So if he has a warrant out for him, for, for his arrest... The border would have caught him, how, right? How was he going from... And also... I'm talking to the fucking FBI. <laughs> right, so right. So, what... To me, like, that whole situation was just really messy, and it just seemed like, look, Teddy is a crazy motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He's got a crazy fucking life. This is a crazy situation. I'm obligated to put him on his shows. I found him to be a horribly dramatic pain in the ass, but I'm not going to lie and say that he wasn't an entertaining person to talk to. Mm-hmm. I liked hearing his stories. I liked, I, I liked him when I met him. Mm-hmm. And that was before any allegation had come out. A lot of people who came after me were like, you booked him with this, these allegations? And it's like, I booked him before the allegations. Mm-hmm. I had the dates set up and all that shit. And, and also, they're allegations. Yeah. Uh, I could say some fucked up shit about you right now. It doesn't mean it's true. What, what? Do, what do you hear, man? Oh, I don't okay. know. <laughs> well. <laughs> no. um, but, you know, just like uh, I, I was contractually and legally obligated to, to, to work with him and... That included and depended upon his uh, relationships with other companies that were kind of tied into the deal, and so I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was it was we we made the call that we did, you know. 
I don't think it was a wrong call. I don't think there was a right or wrong in that one. I think you just had to, like, fulfill your agreement. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I'm trying to think. You know, like, honestly, like I said, there's nobody that I really hate dealing with. Same. Or, or, I mean, it's hard for me to hate people. I don't hate people. I just hate dealing with them. You know? Yeah. As as somebody who had to be in so many multi-man cruiserweight matches, it's hard to hate people when all they're doing is they're just trying to get a break, man. I mean, I could say, you know, one of my... I, I love him as a person because I think he has a good heart, and I've seen him in very vulnerable states, and I know that he has problems. Uh, but I fucking hate dealing with Albert. Oh, yeah? I fucking hate it. Like, yeah. there are times where I can honestly say I probably did hate Albert. Not that he gives a shit, you know? All right. But, but I, I, like, there was just no respect between... Well, well, I respected him, but he didn't respect me at all. He was one of those guys who would say, like, well, you never laced up a pair of boots, brother, brother. Tell you, shit man. like that. Time to lace them up. Let's I'm, do it. Yeah, okay, man. We'll <laughs> do it. Get everybody off my back. But, um... But he would shoot his mouth off, and he'd go on social and talk shit on the company, you know? Um, kind of like Aaron Solo. Like, when guys go... Oh, Aaron Solo was a problem? A little bit. He went on social media and kind of torched our graphics department or torched the matches he was put in. And I think fans see that. They don't necessarily go, oh, he's working, he's a heel. They just see him talking shit on the company. Because mm. when people follow someone on social, it's not to just deride them. It's because they're a fan of theirs. Right. So when you sit there and you talk shit on our presentation or you talk shit on our company, that doesn't sell anybody. Was he doing it to sell as a heel, or was he doing it in the, to be an asshole? Like he hated the company or something. I don't think he liked us. I yeah. think, I mean, like you look at guys like like Ricky. I don't think he's fond of us. I don't think he's ever been fond of us. But I think we've given him like Starks. Has yeah, him, yeah. I mean, I love Ricky. I think he's amazing. I think he's one of my favorite. He is one of my favorite wrestlers mm-hmm. in the world. But there have been, he's it's safe to say. I don't think he's always agreed with what we did creatively and a. a I think there was a long time where he was very much pro ACW, you know. Yeah. Um, that he was loyal to that brand, but yeah. still, we were there, so he's gonna he's gonna take the payday. Saw it more as business. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think he necessarily treated us like family. Like we, yeah. I look at you, I look at you as family. I don't. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel like I'm closer to like between Inspire and Revolver I feel like these are companies that are more than business to me yeah whereas I'll show up to another place and I was like hey this is nice we can all be friendly but let's just get to work and um, yeah you know but Albert would come in and just be very disruptive be disrespectful to me come in and just do whatever he fucking wanted to do Mm. if I told him hey I want this out of you at a certain point in time he would just basically go, uh-huh, sure, roll his eyes and do whatever he wanted. Right. But then there were other times when I would ask him, hey, man, can you do this? And he would just go out and nail it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess it just depends on where his head's at. But it's kind of scary not knowing what Albert you're going to get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't hate Albert. I just found him to be a pain in the ass sometimes. I still think, like, if Albert asked me for anything, I would do it. Right. Just because he's done a lot for me and my company, uh, you know, as this artistic creative endeavor i see him to be a very important part of it through certain stretches if he said dude i need a place to crash i'd be like here's my couch right you know uh same with ricky yeah albert with ricky and albert i think i think ricky likes me but who knows Mm. uh i i never know who actually like cares or likes me in wrestling i always just assume everyone doesn't particularly care for me 
and that's just the way I am. You, and so, like, Albert... I'm going to call you on something right now. Go ahead. I personally feel like a lot of the time you buried yourself because you didn't want anybody to think that you were taking advantage of any particular situation. I feel like uh, this is something that, that Biss and I talked about. Yeah, you guys you guys always like bring up the, the Matt wouldn't book himself or wouldn't cast himself in his own yeah. biography. And it's not that. It's just that there's a lot of times where like uh, Biss was like, oh, Matt, we got to do this with you. And, and I was like, no, I can't because I was a part of the booking team. Which we, I didn't which, want to be Darren yeah. to constantly put myself over. I think that's wrong. But I also think that you were worried about what other people would think. Even Some, though sometimes, sometimes, you, like there was that part, yeah. there was that five way match we had where you were going to give me the belt. Yeah, and I and I said you need to put it on somebody that has name value. I wasn't doing that because I was afraid to be champion, or I, uh, or I was like, oh look how humble I am. We it was like they, we need more people in this building. Right. Put it on somebody who's a name. Like I was also dealing with a lot of health issues. I thought yeah. I was dying. And so like Which we didn't know. Right. And there's no way you could know. And so like if you watch that match, you can see like I'm kind of bloated. And it's not because I ate something wrong that day. You know, and so it's just like I'm struggling. Yeah. For for a couple of years there, it was like, oh Matt's injury prone. Like Matt's dying. And I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. And so like that's why like all those storylines of like, well, we do this character where I die in the ring or stuff like that. Well, I was like, if I wasn't gonna die in bed next to my wife, I was gonna die in a wrestling ring. Yeah. And that's those are the two ways I want to go. And so, like, that deep, heavy stuff is not something you need to share with promoters because who's going to book you after that? Who's going to tell that story of, like, I got nothing, man. I don't know. I don't know how much longer well, I, think, I got. I think, I think to some extent, though, you do owe it to promoters to let you let them know that you're you're potentially dying. That's true you in know? a way that, like... You could, I mean, you could you could technically go out in a ring, not tell somebody, and it's going to be hell to pay because yeah. responsibility falls on the promoter. Like, that's just the way it goes. But still... I, yeah, I, but it wasn't going to be like, oh, the ring wasn't set up properly. It's his fault. It was like, I didn't know Matt had this issue. Yeah. Like, how are you going to blame the promoter during the autopsy? Because... Also, I'm dead. People so, like I went out the way I wanted. Well, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, but people people do that though. Pe- people people blame promoters for all kinds of ridiculous shit. Um, <clears throat> but no, I will say this though. I think that there were a lot of times where you were reluctant to put yourself over because you were concerned about people thinking that you were putting yourself over or like using like flexing power or something. There, that's true. There, that's true. There, there, especially when there, I because I, I had your guys' ear for a yeah. while as far as like. You're also incredibly self-deprecating. Well, yeah, and that's just that's just me. Like, it doesn't mean I think it's true. I just think it's funny sometimes when I'm when I'm self-deprecating stuff. Yeah. But when it comes to wrestling, and you're like, "Oh, Matt, you got to go over Houston Carson," a lot of the times it's like, "Does it matter if I win in this match?" And you're like, "Probably not." There's no title on the line. The storyline doesn't dictate that you need to win or lose. And like like you said, you can win while losing. And then I got to deal with egos. Yeah. Ugh. That's the worst part of any job. I would rather get kicked in the face and crack 12 more teeth that I've had cracked since wrestling uh, than deal with some of these guys' fucking ego. And so it's almost easier for me just to go about my life. It's like, let them win. Let them win this fake fight. Jesus Christ, leave me the fuck alone. You're going to bitch and moan because you don't think I should win, but you'll go ahead and put over this other guy who's the same size as me and just as good as me that's in your stable. At some point... You gotta be like, I want to have a fight with this guy, or I'm just gonna say fuck it and still be more over. And so, like a lot of times, it's that kind of political play. 
and I'm not saying like it's Carson. I never really had a problem with Carson, but like I say Carson because he's that stereotypical like Jack dude that you look like going, oh, he has a slow WWE style, which I don't think he really does, but he likes to do that. It's a hypothetical. It's a hypothetical. Like most of the time, like Dell, when I wrestled Dell, he didn't want to do a lot of stuff because he didn't want to look weak compared to this underdog character. And I go, man, I'm winning this match. You have to look weak at the very end. Why does it matter if I get these spots in? Why does it matter if I do this? And that's a match where I had to win, you know, to, so we can put the right. belt on Andy. But and so I couldn't be like, well, I shouldn't win. Let's put it on Andy. Okay, well, look at it this way, okay? I understand you having to take guff or people being salty or whatever. Right. But we were creating a company that was supposed to facilitate, facilitate change. Right. There were people who were very angry at us for putting Starks over and putting the belt on him. Why? Fact. I don't know, man. You'd have to ask them. Frank, okay. Franco, for example. Oh, you mean guys in the company? Yes. Oh. But just in general. Oh, Franco the, used to make Snyder remarks to Ricky all the time about yeah. his size and like, yeah. oh, you should get back on the gas or something or get on the gas or whatever the hell. I don't know if he ever was on steroids or not. But like, he would say those kind of comments and like, I love Franco. Franco has been there for me more than a lot of guys yeah. back in that locker room. So, but like that's a that's a dick move. Like, who cares, Frank? But do you see what I'm saying? There was there was a core there was there was a core of talent that was legitimately talented that was often kept down. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we also had people who were your more conventional wrestlers that wanted to be part of the product. But the thing is, is that they weren't going to come in and do the fucking woodlawn you know, rec center shit that they did at BOW in oh, our right, company. Right, you're so shine, if we're, if we're gonna, cut off heat. <laughs> we're not we're not doing that shit. But if you want to come play with us, you have to play by our rules and you mm-hmm. have to put over these guys. Mm-hmm. There's no way that guys like Ricky or you were gonna get the same opportunities that they did. Right. So we tried to create this oasis that was very much a departure from what we saw when we went to fucking Houston or San Antonio or Dallas. We saw these people doing the same style of wrestling. But we wanted to give guys like you an opportunity to do this thing. And the only way that you, you kind of have to push it, it, it's a little unpleasant sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know what? In a larger scheme, when you're trying to make change, it does matter. In much the same way that we were treating women's wrestling with a lot more dignity, sans Brandon Stroud. That guy fucked that up. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck, fuck that guy. Fuck him forever and a day. But you can't admit that a lot of the stuff that we did with the um, you know the undefinable championship with breaking down the gender barriers stuff like that you know inter- introducing intergender matches that made sense and worked mm. that stuff man I I like to think that in in a lot of sense we helped create the appetite and the standard for women's wrestling with the help of people like Adrian yeah here yeah. I mean there are so many great women coming out of of texas now absolutely in the, in the business but there was a point in time where they were treated like special attractions and they really only had to have cute gear and they didn't but really- they weren't treated like special attractions they were booked like they were special attractions but not treated that way if you had a special attraction that's supposed to sell the card right you're supposed to get more people out of this it's unique but then you're like ah here you go match two no fanfare nothing just like a ah, girl out there and wrestle show your ass a little bit that's what i mean by special attraction though special attraction is in something that's exploited it's not you can exploit something and just say, oh, here's here's the broads, right? You know? I'm not saying that they they got fanfare for it. I'm just saying that a lot of the time the women were treated like little more than uh, you know your mm-hmm. pinup opportunity, mm-hmm. and that's not what we did with 
are wrestling after a certain point with the, with the girls. I'm just yeah. saying, like, we had to create we had to create something that was more venerable, more respected, and we did that with like the Barbie Haydens and mm-hmm. the Athenas, and you know the Jessica, the Jessica James, the, the, yeah, Delilah Doom. You even did it with. Um, uh, Angelus Lane. Yeah. And I know that was always like a weird subject because the way Brian Stroud was booking her. And, uh, yeah. And she was like super green. And like a lot of the other women didn't seem to particularly care for her. Uh, probably because of the Stroud stuff. Yeah. And it was like, why is she getting all these opportunities? Like she can't even do a dive without breaking both of her wrists. Like she's not, she's, she's not thinking. She's too green. And then like, you still gave her the same respect. She was a wrestler. You mm-hmm. treat her with respect instead of just like, hey, go out there and show your ass. Yeah. Yeah, you got some titties, push so, them up. So here's the thing, right? <clears throat> we treated certain people and tried to put certain people over because we were trying to create a new dichotomy. Mm-hmm. That's why it was sometimes that shit is important because it proves a point. Right. Sometimes in a win or loss backstage, there is a politic to it that mm-hmm. really helps you create something different. There were all these companies that guys like the Dells and the Carsons and the Francos could go do whatever they did. And, you know, because they kind of fit a model or a mold. They were a guaranteed main eventer yeah. if you needed it. But However, they, they were never in a position where they didn't have to be a main eventer. And they <clears> took that offense. They took offense to that when they weren't. Yeah. Like it like it mattered. It's like you're not... You as a person are judged on Absolutely. your success in this show. So, I mean, we're the com- we are the company that gives people of color... Good angles. Right. We're the company that puts people of color uh, in in positions where they carry the title or are the face of our company. Mm-hmm. I could say the same about women too. Yeah, you write storylines where like it's just a quality storyline. You just happen to insert a female name instead of a male name. Yeah, and nothing changes. Yes, nothing changes at all. While there were there are people, I think certainly right now in the state of Texas who book uh, people or don't book people based on their color. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. There are flagrantly racist people in the I industry agree. Out, out here. I agree entirely. Um, but we weren't necessarily doing things to prove a point. We booked without that mm-hmm. that barrier. So, yeah, you know what, man? I'm sorry. It, it is important sometimes when you when that somebody take that fucking loss and not be a baby about it. Right. You know? And I get it. Like, um, my mind has changed. I always... I, I want to just tell stories and have a good show. Because to me, the end game was always do this for a living. My goal was always if I can if I can live long enough to make a living out of this and retire out of it, that's the goal. I want to go to WWE, AEW, Impact, places where like I can pay a bill for once in my life based on all the bumps I've had. Mm-hmm. You know, but like so when I go to a show inside of a not not Inspire, of course, because you guys actually have venues that look like quality venues. But if I go to a show that's inside of a metal building without AC, and I was like. I take a step back and like this doesn't matter. Swallow your egos. Oh, I gotta put Matt over. I was like, fine, let him win. I don't care. I just I'm honing my craft so I can get better and go here. Mm-hmm. Inspire is one of those places where like, oh, this is a quality show. The camera work is great. It actually looks like something that would be on TV. Small scale, large scale doesn't matter. It looks like something would be on TV. And so, like, I just wanted to have good matches so that I could send them in to yeah. somebody and get paid. And so when it's like, this guy's being a pain in the ass, he doesn't want to put Matt over, or he does, or, uh, this guy wants to win the belt instead of me, or he wants to do this storyline, it was like, whatever, man. I want to do my job, I want to do it well, but fine. And I guess I let people walk over me a little too much. Yeah. But now that, like, I'm completely healthy, uh, and like, okay, I am a 
normal person. I'm putting weight back on. And, and, and like, I'm, I told Adrian, I was like, I'm going to be more selfish. You should be. Because, like, I only have so much time left, and I don't want to waste 15 years There's also There's also nothing. something to... There's also something to say about, you know, you're not just Matt Palmer. Mm -hmm. To you, you're Matt Palmer, so Matt Palmer should be a priority. But when you, as Matt Palmer, suss out a victory in more than just a conventional sense of, like, wins and losses for storyline's sake, when guys like you kind of break through, you really do kind of hold the door open for other guys like you. Because there are, are other guys like you. You know, oh. um, not to say that there are Matthew Palmer clones or anything or people that are as good as you, but there are guys that are like, you know, you know, in terms of size, in terms of the kind of match that you present, in terms of your mentality. That's really important. You're a guy that came in and you weren't a stupid jock. Right. Um, and I, I look at guys, you know, like Steve-O, for example. Mm -hmm. He's a smaller guy. But he's a guy that goes out there and works, bigger than me. Yeah. <laughs> works, works his tail off, man. He does. You know, you know there. Steve was an interesting guy. There was a long time, and he maybe still feels that way. That he thought everyone hated him, and like I remember, he would come in like kind of not just mopey, but like a little mopey, but also angry about it. And I think guys like Albert were like picking on him and stuff like that, giving him shit. But he always thought I hated him, and like he was like, "Oh man, I know you oh, hate man. me," and I was like. Dude, I don't have an opinion on you. You were just a co-worker. You seem like a nice guy. I enjoyed working with you. You know what? I think that we're going to pause here and talk about Steve-O. Okay. Uh, on the next edition. I think we're going to call it a day, or should I say a night. We are on the night shift, the graveyard shift, actually, uh, with, with, these, with these episodes. Um, but we're going to be back with another episode of Inspire Fireside, and we'll go into... Steve-O then because this is an interesting subject. Uh, I just want to say that after Jake Roberts said that line of coke he was still a very nice man. <laughs>